Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we covered the topic of bacterial tracheitis found under the pediatric section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A five-year-old boy presents to the emergency department with his mother for worsening shortness of breath. The mother reports that approximately two days ago, he was developing fevers and a cough, but was otherwise doing well. However, the patient appears more fatigued and is making noises when he's breathing. His temperature is 102 degrees Fahrenheit, or 38.9 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 75 over 50. Pulse is 110 beats per minute, and respirations are 28 breaths per minute, with an oxygen saturation of 93%. The patient is given inhaled epinephrine, which did not improve his symptoms. Physical exam is notable for nasal flaring and intercostal retractions. The patient is started on intravenous fluids and empiric antibiotics and was intubated for airway protection and admitted to the pediatric intensive care unit for further monitoring. Let's continue with an introduction to bacterial tracheitis. As a general overview, this describes a bacterial infection affecting the soft tissues of the trachea. It most commonly occurs in the setting of a previous airway mucosal damage, such as a prior viral infection. The most common bacterial isolate is Staphylococcus aureus. Other common bacterial organisms may include Streptococcus pneumonia, Streptococcus pyogenes, Moraxella catarralis, and Haemophilus influenza strains. Remember that a poor response to inhaled epinephrine is supportive of bacterial tracheitis, and patients are best managed in pediatric intensive care units, and it is imperative to ensure the patient's airway is maintained. In terms of the epidemiology, the incidence is unknown in the United States. Demographically, this demonstrates a slight male predominance, and it is most commonly seen within the first six years of life. However, it can occur at any age. In terms of location, this affects the soft tissues of the trachea. Risk factors include an antecedent viral infection leading to airway mucosal damage. This may include parainfluenza, influenza A and B, respiratory syncytial virus, and rhinovirus. Other risk factors include aspiration from bacterial upper respiratory tract infections, such as a streptococcal pharyngitis. And another risk factor is tonsillectomy. In terms of the pathophysiology, pathogenic bacteria invade the trachea, leading to a local and systemic inflammatory response. This results in mucopurulent exudates and ulceration of the tracheal mucosa, where this will then result in possible upper airway obstruction. Conditions that are associated include prior upper respiratory tract viral infections. Moving on to the presentation, symptoms will include prodromal symptoms such as an antecedent viral infection typically one to three days before severe symptoms develop. This may include a fever and cough. There will also be signs of airway obstruction, such as with stridor and dyspnea. On exam, there may be signs of airway obstruction. This can include respiratory accessory muscle use with marked retractions, poor air entry, and poor mental status. In terms of further imaging, radiography should include a lateral neck and anterior posterior view. Findings will include the steeple sign, which is subglottic tracheal narrowing. This is nonspecific finding that can be seen in viral croup. In terms of further studies, labs should include a white blood cell count, which is highly variable, as patients can have mild leukopenia or leukocytosis.
In terms of the differential, make sure to think about a viral croup, with key distinguishing factors being that this is caused by parainfluenza virus, patients are less toxic appearing than bacterial tracheitis, and there is a good response to inhaled epinephrine. Also think about epiglottitis, with key distinguishing factors being that patients prefer being in the tripod posture, and radiography demonstrates an enlarged epiglottis. With regards to treatment, prevention may be with the pneumococcus vaccine and the measles and influenza vaccine. Pharmacologic options include vancomycin with a third-generation cephalosporin or ampicillin sobactam. This is indicated as first-line empiric antibiotic treatment. Non-operative options include bronchoscopy. This is indicated for the evaluation of the airway in patients without respiratory failure. It is also indicated for removal of tracheal exudates and purulent secretions in patients without respiratory failure. And lastly, with regards to prognosis, remember that a full recovery with no long-term morbidity is typically expected. That's all for this review about bacterial tracheitis. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.